This is Simmering Thoughts, where hosts Ryan Akers and Chris Dean lift the lid and sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. This week, we're continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit with guest host Michael Coughlin joining Ryan in discussing faithfulness. We hope you grab your Bibles. You'll need it in this episode. And we also hope that at the end of the episode, you will go to your favorite podcast catcher, subscribe, rate, and review Simmering Thoughts. You can also send us an email, simmeringthoughts at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Simmer Thoughts. Let's get started with this week's episode. I had written down a, a series of passages elsewhere. Uh, I was thinking of 1 John, uh, and there's the themes that those who remain, those who walk in the light, those who remain in love and walk in love, keeps coming back as, as John writes in circles a little bit. You keep having those themes come back again, and then you have the idea of of walking in First Peter, uh, in chapter one, there that you're to conduct yourselves in reverence, and and that's a, a an aspect of showing out faithfulness that we're purified by obedience to the truth by faith. Again, there in First Peter, uh, as we think about James and the the hearing and the doing, and then it follows with looking into the law of freedom, and so those things, you know, there's they're they're building on that you've heard the word. And that you hold the word and that you're trying to be faithful to what the word is, is telling you to do, to respond to it in faith. And, you know, we, you see held up throughout scripture, both by Paul and, and others, uh, Abraham, that he believed to righteousness and he lived in that faith. Uh, and it was the faith that was counted as righteousness, not necessarily his doing of it but the faith that was the righteousness. And that distinction is so hard to, uh, to come up with and to, to nail down sometimes to where somebody who's not used to listening to it can really function in it. But that idea of that you have the faith is the beginning that gives you the confidence to take the steps to do what you need to do. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, you know, Abraham is our, he's really our example um, of a sinner exercising faith. I guess Jesus is always the example of faithfulness. Uh, but for a sinner, you know, to, you know, Romans four eighteen says, in hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, <clears throat> he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And, and so here he is, he's looking at this old man body and this, this barren wife, and it says, without becoming weak in faith. And then verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then isn't that the, the, the ultimate result, is that when, when faith causes us to do things, which is really what you were describing, is that, that faith, like how we walk as the result. When faith causes us to do something that there's really no earthly reason to do it, it brings glory to God when that faith is based on one of his promises. And, you know, I'll just continue real quick in Romans 4.21, and being fully assured that what God had promised, 
he was able also to perform. And so that's that's really the the goal here is is that I am able to give glory to God when I exercise faith or when I'm faithful to God's promises. And as you were speaking, the big example that came up to me was when when Christians suffer. When Christians suffer, whether it's persecution or whether it's cancer or some kind of sickness, uh, when it's you know imminent death because of their illness or even just old age, uh, the faithfulness of Christians to say, hey, not only do I know where I'm going after I die, but they, they actually believe there's a purpose in yep. their affliction from the God who has promised those things. And so God is glorified in those, in, in those situations. The, the idea that, that people, def- I mean, it really defies logic. I mean, if you're an atheist, what, why well, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? I mean, there's no reason to suffer a, a moment more than, more than you normally would ever suffer. Why go through uh, the difficulty of a hard marriage if you're an atheist, you know, just put away the spouse and find one that'll make you happy is 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 really the logical conclusion to to unfaithfulness. So, what do you think? I I think that's a a great point. As you were saying that, it, uh, uh, an old song popped into my head, which is just a scripture quote, Second uh, Timothy one twelve. But I know whom I've believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep yep. that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's the the hymn version of it. And uh, that that pops in yep. my head all the time. And I, I think yep. as a biblical example to that is, you know, if we jump back in the Old Testament, one that constantly comes up into my mind is Daniel, but not just Daniel. But I really think of Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, or as most people think of them, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I, I think of those guys and faithfulness that that in the face of what seemed like certain destruction. They stood firm saying, this is what God said. We are going to follow what God said. And whether he decides to take us or whether he decides to save us, we don't care. We're going to do what God said. And that is a, a faithfulness. There's a, there's a, a line in the sand kind of, of stance that they took. Here we stand. This is what we're told to do. And that's all we can do. And come what may, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different thing to have to, to look at a day and say, I trust in the Lord's mercies today because he is who he is. It's just a, it's, it's something that we don't always face every day because most days aren't days that that's what we face. Well, and, and when you are trusting the Lord for something, there's two primary things you can be trusting him for. You can be trusting the Lord for something that he has absolutely, without a doubt, promised to you. So, getting back to 1 John, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Who is the one who overcomes the world? Verse 5, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so you have this 
this sense that it's it's faith and it's your faithfulness to a promise of God that can help you. So when a Christian is getting ready to pass on, a Christian's faith promises them that there is actually an expectant hope when you leave this world to something far better. And we we believe that by faith, and it drives us to be, in a sense, unafraid of death. But mm-hmm. the other primary way that people trust God, I'll say, and that was in quotation marks, is people will trust God for something that God never promised. So you'll be in a situation where a person gets, we'll say a person gets sick or they get cancer. And they decide, I'm going to trust God that he's going to heal this cancer. Well, now you're setting God up to fail. Yeah. Because if God's will wasn't that that would get healed, you've now decided that you're, you're by faith, believing God's going to heal that cancer. And if that doesn't get fixed, if the persecution doesn't end, if the marriage doesn't get better, if your child doesn't live, Whatever the situation is that you decided you were going to trust God for, when you did not exercise the faith of the men you mentioned in in the Babylonian exile, the ones that said, hey, we'll trust God come what may, is what you said. You know, we're going to just believe in Yahweh that he'll take care of us and whatever it is, it is. Abraham's like, look, I'm going to slaughter my only son, right? And I'm going to trust Yahweh that He's gonna he's gonna bring him back from the dead is what is what he believed. He said, I just knew Abraham just knew that God could do whatever he wanted with it, and Abraham was gonna do things that were difficult. But when you start to trust God for something he didn't promise, now you're not being faithful. It sounds awful faithful and spiritual to people. When someone says, Oh, I'm trusting God for a healing, or I'm trusting God for a job, or any number of things. I think you have to be really careful. Maybe people use poor language at times, and they don't mean it that way, but you have to be careful. Don't trust God to do something he didn't promise, because when he doesn't do it, it makes God look bad to people that are looking on. It makes makes your faith in God's real promises weakened. Go ahead, what were you going to say? It causes pain. And it causes scarring and residue when you put faith in God for things He didn't promise. I think that's that's a key point. You know, we've looked at each of the the absolutely. Uh, we've looked at each of yeah. the, the fruits here, and and always looked back at how is this reflecting? Who is God? And I think that the idea of great is your faithfulness is, as the song puts it, is that He's not changing. He's not going to change tomorrow. His promises are His promises, and what He said He's going to do are the things he's going to do and to, you know, absolutely to, to try to stretch that it was a conversation I had with a couple of uh, pastors, not necessarily pastors. I always agree with theologically, but they were asking the question, Hey, why does everybody jump on Joel Osteen? This is why everybody jumps on Joel Osteen because he is telling people to take and put their faith in promises. God never made. And that is soul crushing. And to, that's a, yes, uh, it just, it just, it's, it is soul crushing, and that's really the best thing I can say. Uh, and, and it, and it causes, it causes yep. difficulty for the gospel when it gets to folks. Now, it, the gospel is going to do what the gospel is going to do, but it, it makes, it makes life more difficult when you are 
expecting and praying for things that are not in God's will. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a misuse of scripture to, to lean on God's promises where there is no promise. And that's, that's why we really need to be into our word to understand who is God and what he has promised. And what is his, what is he saying when he says he is faithful compared to what we're saying? And we are faithful. They're two different things. You know, God's faithfulness is not our faithfulness. This is probably one of the spots where the fruit of the spirit that we manifest, it's going to look differently because of what it's reacting to than what God's, uh, where, where it is an aspect of who God is. The fruit of the spirit is us becoming Christ-like, becoming part of the, you know, the exhibiting Christ-likeness more and more. Well, if that's what that is, we're not going to have God's faithfulness. We're not going to be as faithful as God. Ours is going to look different because ours is rooted in and reflecting back to him. Uh, and so, you know, for us, it it's kind of a mix. I wrote this on our notes, a, a mix of obedience and trusting and patience. It's kind of, kind of a spin of those three things that we're there, that we're patient and enduring. We're trusting God and we're being obedient at the same time. It's kind of those three things mixed together. God's faithfulness isn't any of those three things. God's faithfulness is I am God <laughs> and this is who I am. I will not change like a shifting shadow. Yeah, he is He is altogether different from us in that sense, right? What is it? There's that scripture that says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And, I, and it's, he, he has a nature that is just so different from ours, right? Yeah, if yeah. we've died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. And it says, if we deny him, he will deny us. And then it says, if we are faithless, and you're almost expecting it to say he'll be faithless because of the previous sentence. It sets you up for that But thought, it's, just, it's it? just so stark. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Uh, but but one thing you can you can count on, though, is that the man, Jesus Christ was perfectly faithful. And he was perfectly faithful in the way that we are supposed to emulate by believing God's word, by trusting the real promises of God. And he was tested thoroughly. The devil tested him in the wilderness. The devil dangled promises of God in front of him, actually, in Matthew 4, and said, you know, angels will will minister to you and carry you if you jump off this building. And the devil actually used scripture. Yep. And what Jesus said, you know, in, in, in other words is, hey, that promise that you're telling me to believe in is not based on the context you're now putting me in. Right. That promise is actually, Jesus I'm sure knew this, but that promise was for after uh, the situation was over. Uh, but so people will even use scripture, and that's really the heart and soul of the prosperity gospel, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's that, you know, that's the hardest thing about trying to sit through a Creflo Dollar or a Joel Osteen sermon and really polemicize it is that they, they really do use a lot of scripture. I have found some of those guys to use so much scripture that I'm, I'm blessed listening just because there's so much scripture involved, not because of their, you know, I said Jesus they're doing, but, right. but they take scripture. Yeah. And they take a real promise of God and then they, 
they universally apply it to people in a way that is not the way it was meant in the scripture. And so you end up with people believing, you know, that they're going to be healthy or wealthy as, you know, the thing. And, and, and that it's just the devil dangling the very things the flesh wants before the flesh. And it's, it's why we're so angry about false teaching. And uh, we'll say why, why we can be righteously angry. I'm not saying we're always perfect at that, but because it's, it's casting a shadow on God's faithfulness when people do that. And I, I remember a story uh, that I want to uh, tell you. There was a girl at, at my old church who came and she was, she was talking about her testimony and, and she, she was trying to tell us she thought she got saved at camp and, and and one of the things she said really struck me. She said she was getting ready to jump off some diving board thing. I don't I don't remember what it was, but it was this scary thing, and she was real scared to do it. And one of the probably well-meaning youth counselors there told her, you know, you just have to trust God that He's going to you know keep you from getting hurt or falling off this thing. And so she trusted God for that. She jumped into the water and she lived through it. And, and then she, you know, was happy. And I, and, and the whole church, you know, was clapping because she was trying to say she believed in Jesus. And, you know, there, I don't think there's been any reason to believe that that actually happened uh, now that some time's gone by. But I actually sat down with her and her parents. And I, I tried to explain to her that, you know, believing in something that God didn't actually promise is unacceptable because now God could have been seen as a failure in her eyes. And that would have, as you put it, like hindered probably her belief in the gospel. You know, we, we believe that God's sovereign, but he also uses means. And sometimes those means will be the continued, you continuously see things happening in faithful people's lives uh, or somebody who is hardened of heart, they may continually see, for example, God not answer prayers that they were led to believe God should answer. Yep. Right. I, so you're a relative of a, of, of one. Of, yeah. You see what I'm saying? You're yeah, a relative absolutely. of somebody who's saying, well, I'm believing God that my son's going to live through this surgery. And the person's like, basically claims it as a promise, you know, that, or, you know, they have all the language, people say things like, well, I received that, and they have different language, and then the kid dies, and then the guy that was looking on might say, well, what kind of God is that? If he can't, if he can't take care of one sick kid like he, like he promised in their mind, why would they trust that God with their eternal future, right? Yeah, it, it, it puts a... It puts an unreasonable expectation of God from us for him to do what we want him to do. And it's it's uh, something that I've experienced firsthand, not necessarily from the prosperity gospel end of it, but in, you know, in seeing what looks like disaster happen in my own in my own family. I, I know you don't necessarily listen to the podcast all the time and. And I don't know how much you catch on Twitter when I mention it, but my brother died in a bicycle accident when I was 10. He was 14. And, uh, you know, we sent them out on a church trip with prayer 
for protection and protection didn't happen. And we could very well have said with an accusatory finger pointed at God, we could have done uh, what sometimes David did. And sometimes the, the other psalmists did and what, what even it, it, you hear what almost sounds like it in some of the others, you know, God, why are it, why do the wicked prosper and why do your people suffer? We're suffering and why? And we could have asked those questions and, and immediately you kind of do ask those questions. But as I've grown, as I've, as I, even then, as I was wrestling with it and, and, and trying to figure out what's going on, God has the days of our lives numbered and we have no right to, to demand more days than he has numbered for us or fewer days than he has numbered for us. And if I were to go to God with that in mind, that he has our days numbered like the hairs of our head, if I go to him and say, you didn't give my brother the days he deserves, it's a, it's a, you have stolen his life from him, then I'm telling God why he created in the first place. And I'm taking the place of the creator rather than being in the place of the creature. And it's a, it is a humbling thing to sit and have that discussion. And then later in life, you know, we've, we've had some trouble with uh, fertility, my wife and I, and we've had two children who died uh, in tube. They, they'd never made it into the uterus. They died in the tubes and very easily with that being childless and, and having a child being so excited. And then suddenly there's no child. And we could easily have, have shouted out in anger and, and, and demanded of God why he didn't fulfill his promise to bless his servants as we're serving him. We could easily do that. But God's promise is all things work together. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to hear that when you're in the seat of suffering. It's easy to say that when you're not in the seat of suffering. It is, it is very difficult to, to rest in it in the midst of suffering. And it's something I've learned the hard way to do uh, because of those experiences and several others that, you know, when big stuff happens, I know who to, I know who to lean on and where, where to lean. I think sometimes we, as we grow in faith and really, even when we're younger in faith, I think that, that we wait until it's time to lean on faith to lean on faith rather than leaning every morning on God's promises. We wait until the seas get rough before we run to you know, think about the, the disciples in the boat. When the storm comes up, they waited till the storm was about to drown them yeah. before they woke Jesus up. It's like, guys, you know, wake him up a little earlier when the seas start to look like they might be getting rough or better yet, trust in the fact that you have him here with you. God is with you. If you are a believer, God is with you. God is for you. God is bringing you to himself. Hey, you know what? Whatever I go through here compared to that, that's okay. I can live with it. And it's, it is, man, it is tough in the seat of suffering. If you've not practiced it, if you've not developed the muscles of of the reflex muscles to lean on faith, when the times are easy, when the times get hard, it's really hard to lean on that and and it's a hard lesson that's all we have for this episode of simmering thoughts thank you for listening we hope you will go to your favorite podcast catcher and rate review 
and subscribe to Simmering Thoughts. We hope you will share the episode also with your friends, both on Facebook or Twitter or any other means that you have. We would love to interact with you as well. Please send us an email at simmeringthoughts at gmail.com or through Facebook and Twitter at Simmer Thoughts. We pray that we have been an encouragement to you and we pray that the Lord will keep you and bless you. Have a great week, everyone.